podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, wonderful shot by Lennox Lewis. A right hand by Holyfield. By Boston Douglas, look at this. He's knocked by Tyson down for the first time in his career. But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Front, punches, and punches, and it's over. I think it's going to be over. say there seems an element of genuine hate between these two Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it, Greg. You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Weak steps in and the fight is over. Oh! Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Nights After Show. I am your host, Sean, joined as always by my compatriot from the US of A, Luke from Lukey Boxing. Great to have you on for another After Show episode. We're getting towards the last stretch of the season now, and we've got a, a great fight to talk about in Julio Cesar Chavez and Penel Whitaker for this After Show. But as... I've talked to you about before, Luke. There's always an overarching theme with our shows and, and, and how we go off on tangents and maybe go away from what the actual tale is all about and talk about how it compares to certain moments in time and, and what we've personally also lived through as well. And the theme of this show is probably going to be bad decisions, bad judges' scorecards, and that topic of conversation comes up quite a lot with the current boxing scene and everything that goes on within the current boxing scene. But before we do get to that moment and stray away from what the after show is all about, we're first going to talk about Penel Whitaker, Julio Cesar Chavez, September the 10th, 1993, in what for me was a one-sided affair where Penel Whitaker should have got the decision and didn't. Lukey, I'm going to come to you now and get your thoughts and feelings on this particular fight, the fighters involved in it, and ultimately the scorecards and the judging for this fight. Well, I mean, this, this you basically set the stage perfectly like you do pretty much every show. It's a fight where I think, not unlike some other fights that we'll get into, you don't think about the fight, you don't think about the context, you just think about the outcome, and more realistically, how did they get that outcome? Because I think that what the judges came to, most people didn't see that as what the fight was. And this particular fight was one of those fights where it was quite evident from many at ringside, many sports writers that attended this particular fight pretty much had a victory for Penel Whitaker quite convincingly. However, it turned out to be a majority draw. And I think one of the big talking points from this is that I have heard before I did the episode, but the English referee and judge Mickey Van and the fact that he actually took it upon himself to deduct a point for a low blow that wasn't called by a referee, which ultimately in my mind is what led to the decision being the decision it was and Pennell not getting the victory that he should have had. So there's a bit of a controversial moment right there with that statement and what Mickey Van did himself as a, as a professional. And there's also the fact that it, for me, it also took away a career-defining night for Penel Whitaker in his career because 
as brilliant and as elusive and fantastic as he was as a fighter, there weren't many other moments in his career where you can honestly say they they were the defining ones. And for better or worse, I think the Chavez fight is is certainly a defining fight for him and his legacy, but not for the right reasons. Because whilst we as fans appreciate what Pinnell did in that fight, and we know that whilst it isn't on record as a win, that was a win for Pinnell Whitaker. But I think it's kind of marred his his legacy when you look back on it because he had difficult fights with other fighters. We mentioned uh, Juan Carlos Ramirez in there and the difficulty he had in that fight. And then he fought Oscar De La Hoya a little bit later on, but wasn't maybe the same fighter he once was and, and had a difficult decision maybe that could have gone his way there. But it's an overarching theme with Penel Whitaker's career is, is just bad moments, bad decisions that were put against him in his career, which I think, whilst he is an absolute legend of the sport, I think he kind of, it, it devalues him in some way. I don't know if you get that sense of, of what it does to his career, but it devalues his career by having things that have happened to him that was out of his control. Well, I think that the theme to me is like, there's certain fighters that you sum up their career in one sentence, right? So if you, you were to bring up Floyd Mayweather, you I would say strategic. If you brought up Oscar De La Hoya to me, I would say he never won the big fight. And if you brought up Pernell Whitaker, I would say, honestly, most people probably say defense. I would say never got fair decisions, you know, because in his biggest moments, in his biggest nights, it never felt like he ever got the superstar scoring. It always felt like he was against the system somehow, despite being a Hall of Fame boxer. And I agree, because when you look at his resume, this should be probably his defining moment. Yet, in terms of history, you can't really view it the way most people view it. And I think that does hurt him. Do you think there was any particular reason why judges would have looked at him and not appreciated the the skill levels that he had in the ring? Because you could make the comparison to... Floyd Mayweather and his strategic tactics, as you rightly pointed out, I felt like when I watched Penel Whitaker and, and notable fights of his career, I felt like he, he did things better than what Floyd did. Like when I watch Floyd's career and I've lived through Floyd's career as as an adult and I've looked at it and gone, Do you know, there's just moments here where he just didn't want to engage whatsoever in the big fights. And I think when I looked at Penel's, he was just his skill was just, he's so elusive, so good. His footwork was so on point that he's like, he's like he was penalised when he was scored for being so good at it. It's like the all-aggressive American style of judging, which has been quite notable in the past. It seems to have gone against him because he's not that style of fighter. And it's like whenever he got in the ring with someone who was an aggressive style of a fighter, a Chavez or a, or a De La Hoya, for example, those two in particular, it's like they didn't like what they saw in Penel Whitaker and didn't appreciate his skill, but yet were more than happy to score it towards a De La Hoya or a, or a Chavez, for example. And I know obviously Chavez was a draw, but one judge did give it to Chavez. So it's like, why why do you think that is? Do you, is it anything to do with how he was as a boxer? Did people at the time do you think perceive him as a negative fighter like maybe people have perceived Floyd as a negative fighter I think there was a little bit of an antagonizer that he did he did some really strange things that people love to leave out like 
he'd stick his head out the ropes at times and he just would do some things that I think maybe just some judges were off-putting. I think he also had the misfortune of fighting in front of judges that probably scored fights against someone who was maybe... He needed judges that were looking for clean and effective punches, right? And it's like when you go to Texas, Texas is always, in my opinion, and this might not be fair, has always been a bit of a suspect commission. One of the worst referee jobs I ever saw was Orlando Salido versus Vasil Lomachenko. Loma got hit low so many times, and the fight was not penalized. And in fact, Lawrence Cole stood on the wrong side so he couldn't actually see the low blows and Salido punched low on the opposite side. So I think that some of his antagonizing and the the way his style was by not pressing the, the action forward and possibly states that we're looking for more aggression as opposed to clean and effective punches, I think that's the combination of why he didn't win some of these fights. And and that issue translates into the modern era of this sport because we see a lot of fights in the last 10, 15 years that we've witnessed where you can honestly sit there and say they're bad decisions. They're not the right decisions. It's quite evident to us and to many others out there that have watched these fights where it's like, look, this guy, he landed the cleaner shots. He was more effective. His aggressiveness was more effective. Or if he was elusive but still landed the cleaner work. But it's like, why wouldn't you score that to a fighter who's who's undertaking that level of uh, of ring generalship in, in a fight as opposed to just making because a fighter looks busy making them the the favor in that round and scoring that to to them and it's a big issue a big issue that continues to plague the sport quite dramatically because of the fact that what's happening is you're getting judges that are professionally trained that are paid to do the job that are putting huge huge fights and the responsibility of judging those huge huge fights but yet on the night it's like they pick what they decide they like as opposed to maybe what the guidelines say they should be working from and me and Johnston and even Jamie have had this conversation many times about there's just no uniformity across the sport and I think with someone like Pinelli it affected him at a time when I think he was a boxer who was ahead of his time and that's why people didn't appreciate him until the, the latter stages of his career and of course once he'd retired and I see the same with some fighters today where they're just not appreciated for what they can actually do in the ring. Instead, these sorts of moments of elusiveness and, and a mixture of good aggressiveness seems to be scored to the other fighter who who's looking busier but not actually landing anything. So do you think that is just something that we're going to be subjected to throughout the course of this sport because of the lack of consistency and uniformity in it? I'm just going to say it for what it is because that's what I do. It always seems like there's justification for the fighter that makes more money for him to get preferential treatment and for that fighter to also get the benefit of the out in scoring. So when you have a very, very profitable fighter who's more defensive-minded, somehow his shots get scored as more effective. When you have a more profitable fighter who comes forward, somehow the criteria changes. I think it goes to the fact that Boxing has a level of corruption based around superstar fighters who make a lot of money that 
fights are scored in the favor of the more profitable fighters and open scoring has always been an issue because it ruins good fights look at austin trout versus canelo competitive fight the judges didn't even bother watching it so then it completely changes your interest in the fight and it changes trout's tactics because he knew he was so far down so i think that the big issue is there's no real resolution besides competence because you could be winning a fight like in basketball uh football as you guys say soccer for me you can be up by x amount of points but you could really be down in boxing you could be winning in most sports and it's obvious and there's points in boxing you could be at that same threshold and judges could say actually you're losing the fight and i think it's what's made boxing lose popularity in the united states to be honest because i think that people are for the most part somewhat intelligent and they know when someone didn't win a fight and i think that it it's off-putting and it makes people not want to watch the sport i'd agree with that wholeheartedly and to sort of coin a couple of examples of of a certain a-side fighter being given a decision because of their what they bring to the table effectively which is the money i mean look at most recently i think tyson fury and francis and ganu i mean that was supposed to be an exhibition bout for tyson fury to get himself prepared for alexander usik which of course as we're now recording this we now know that has been cancelled and postponed for another date which is now may the 18th so i honestly think looking back on that fight now and looking at where where fury is and the fact that he sustained a cut and I genuinely felt he wasn't ready for this fight at this date anyway, and I didn't suspect it was going to happen. But the big issue here was I actually thought Francis Ngannou won it, and a lot of people who watch this sport, whether they're boxing hardcores, journalists, casual fans, most people I've spoken to about that particular fight genuinely believe that Francis Ngannou actually won the fight and should have won the fight, but yet... Because of the money that Tyson Fury and Usyk is bringing to the table as a fight in general, and the money it's it's being put on the table on, I mean, a good example and a barometer of the money for that fight is the fact that there are three different ways to watch this fight in the UK, three different pay-per-view options. So you've got DAZN, which have picked it up. You've got TNT Sports in the UK, which is formerly BT Sport. They've picked it up. And now Sky Sports have even picked the fight up as well. So that's that, that's not normal. That's like three different broadcasters that are actually picking the fight up. So to me, if this fight is being sold to all these broadcasters, there must be lots of money behind the scenes that is involved in a fight like this, which then prompts me to the point I'm trying to make, which is Tyson Fury, whilst everybody saw him lose that fight, he got the decision to move on because if he wouldn't have got the decision, it would have scuppered uh, a multi-million pound fight, quite simply, wouldn't it? And there's many instances of this, isn't there? I mean, we can go down the list, right? We can go down the list. I think another example just this year on a smaller scale was Maxi Hughes, George Cambosis. I think a lot of people thought Maxi Hughes won the fight. It's a hard luck fighter. It's a great story. Cambosis wins. Um, I think that when, like, though I don't think anyone thought Connor Ben didn't beat Pete Dobson, I thought that many people thought Connor Ben looked really bad. 
So the score is being really wide and Connor Ben acting as though Pete Dobson sucks. It's very off-putting. I think that the scores ruin the sport at sometimes because we know what a close fight looks like. And then when the scores are, are in one favor in a lopsided manner, it really, it makes us not trust the system in place to, to evaluate fights. Well, other fights of note that I can think about now, and I know there's many, many, many fights, small scale, large scale, but a couple of larger scale fights that I've seen over the years that have always stuck with me. Uh, Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall was one of them. I genuinely believe that Jack Catterall was robbed, and I think that's one of the worst decisions I've actually seen in the sport in general out of all the years I've been watching it. And then the first Canelo-Golovkin fight, and Johnston is always completely adamant, and he'll be adamant so the day he dies that Canelo should not, have gotten a draw in that fight. That Kudlovkin won that first fight and was was robbed, essentially robbed, because Canelo is a fighter that brings a hell of a lot of money to the table. And look what it led to. It led to Canelo and Golovkin twice more throughout their respective careers, which, of course, made money for the people involved in it. So what we're sort of talking about here when we talk about Chavez and, and Whitaker, really, is we're alluding to the fact that Let's be honest, there is quite clearly corruption that goes on behind the scenes in some capacity in the sport to allow this facilitation of bad decisions being made to happen. It's quite simple. And I think the Pinel Whitaker and Chavez case, of course, there was a lot of stuff in the episode that we included around Jose Suleiman and the WBC and their involvement. And at one point, there was a moment during the fight where Jose Suleiman's getting involved with the judging, a bit like the man in the hat, of course, with uh, Lamont Peterson and Amir Khan a few years back as well. You know, it all sort of boils down to who's involved in the fight, who sanctions it, who promotes it, what is their involvement, what is their investment into it, what have they got to earn and to lose respectively, depending upon what happens in the fight. It, it really does put people off the sport. And like you rightly said, Lukey, I'll agree with you because I've spoke to many other American boxing journalists and many other people that love the sport in America. Boxing is completely going down that pecking order in terms of sports in America, even more so now because of stuff like this, because it's so off-putting. You're quite fortunate in the US because a lot of sports are undertaken you've got american football you've got college football state football you've got baseball major league baseball ice hockey basketball you've got some unbelievable unbelievable sports that come up above boxing because of the fact that boxing doesn't give us as fans the satisfaction that we always want whereas a lot of these other sports do for the most part and that is why like you say Something like boxing goes even further down the pecking order in the US. And you can probably explain to the listeners, not just the UK listeners, but your own US listeners, why why it continues to, to go down that pecking order and why other sports, in America in particular, why other sports are actually considered to be higher than boxing. Well, I think the issue is there's no accountability. I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and it was like some of the best jobs are like the golf rules official because if they mess up, there's never a like consequence. Whoops, we messed up. Um, won't happen again. 
I mean, boxing judge and boxing referee for these big fights has to be up there because it's like, when do you ever hear a commission go, man, we got it wrong? Oh, man, we got it. Like, there's zero accountability for the most part. Referees and judges never have to do interviews. They never have to be accountable for why they scored fights. They're never interviewed on broadcasts. It's it's one of the, the big issue is there's no consequence as of now, or it feels as a fan there isn't much consequence for having irrational scorecards. And that's what hurts the sport. I think the only time I can remember is Canelo, um, Golovkin won, where Adelaide Bird faced consequences for a score that just didn't seem possible. And the other one was... Um, Paul Williams versus Aris Landy Lara, where Aris Landy Lara, the whole world felt he won and Paul Williams won and the judges got suspended by the commission. I think it took place in New Jersey. But far too often, whether it's this fight or other fights, you'll get scores that don't reflect what the fans saw and judges that get to judge the next week. It's a huge problem. I mean, in the UK, the Taylor Catterall fight, you and John Lewis was classed as an A-star referee in terms of the British Boxing Board of Control. He was then subsequently demoted from that accolade of being an A-star referee and then eventually he ended up leaving the British Boxing Board of Control and now works for the British and Irish Boxing Authority and has put a case in against the British Boxing Board of Control for other reasons as well. But my my conversation with Johnston has always gone around the lack of consequence and the lack of transparency around Boxing Board of Controls, commissions, Anybody that's involved in the sport at that level uh, are never are never publicly penalised in any way, shape or form or held accountable or they're never being given sort of, or they're not even being put forward to say, do you know what, I made a mistake, this is what happened, this is why it happened and then it potentially changes the impact of what a fight was and a decision is reversed. I mean, there's very very rare that i've seen any of these moments where a decision has ended up being reversed because of the impacts of maybe a bad judge's scorecard or a mistake that a judge has actually made and it's like the Whitaker chavez fight and the fact that mickey van openly said that he deducted a point for a low blow that wasn't called a low blow by the referee in what right world did he have to do that he didn't and yet he did it and yet he was never penalized for it he was never put over the coals for it. He carried on being a referee and a judge for many years after that fight. And he's revered as one of the best that the UK's ever produced. But yet, there's a moment there in, in the big fight that we've covered in this legendary night where he's made an absolute shocking, shocking judgment call. And that has effectively affected the fight and affected the legacy of someone like Spinell Whitaker. And it really, really annoys me as a fan and, and as someone that does this as, as a love is that why aren't people like that ever held accountable for it? When you go to work, Luke, and you, if you're accountable to a line manager or a team leader and you make a mistake, you have to be accountable for the mistake you've made. You have to justify what's happened. Why have you made that mistake? What can you do to rectify the mistake? If you continue to do that in a nine-to-five job, eventually you'd be put on a written warning and eventually you'd be forced out of the organisation. So why isn't this put into place within sports why doesn't it happen what should happen luke i'd love to hear your take on this because i know in the past me and johnston have had these conversations back and forth and one of the things that johnston always uses as an analogy is in is in football or soccer where if 
a Premier League referee has a really bad game, that Premier League referee could have a spate of incidents throughout games and could end up being called upon to say, look, why why have you made these decisions in this? Then what happens is that referee then gets demoted to a lower league within the footballing tier and then they have to then referee lower league games. So they then, that, that sort of luxury and that privilege of being able to referee a Premier League game then gets taken away from them until they can prove that they can referee a lower league game in a better manner and they can effectively build their record back up. So why couldn't that be something that could be implemented in the sport? I mean, and just look at, uh, I'm going to answer that question in a second, but just look at this undercard. We had a Zuma Nelson versus Jesse James Leha, and that also was a draw. You know, so we finished this with two, this card with two draws, and it was two styles of fighters. They got the preferential scoring aggressive fighters. I think there's one simple answer for this is, if you come up with egregious scores, there is rational consequences. You don't get to be in these big fights if your scores don't match a general consensus. And I think that commissions probably try to do this, but there's probably people who are extremely powerful who are above the law. And it just feels as though boxing is unregulated capitalism. And this is what happens when there's no regulation in a system. So let's move away from the long talk about judging and i'm sure you guys listening will probably have your own thoughts feelings and opinions on it and of course if you have do always let us know when you've listened to the episode you can put a comment on spotify below and tell us what you think about it and let us know and, and if you uh, want to go on social media and let us know you can do it at legend Night pod or at btr boxing pod on twitter or btr boxing podcast network on facebook and any other of the social platforms that we're on let us know what you think about that because it is a topic that comes up quite often and it's always good to get someone else's opinion on it as in yourself lukey so i'm going back to to this fight in particular because this is what the after show is about it's about talking about this tale and how it compares and the overarching themes that surround it but i want to go back to it really and talk about it in general the fight in general and the the legacy it's kind of left behind in the sport and i'm always interested to hear what you would say as a summary for this looking back on it in hindsight and looking at its place in history what would be your synopsis of this fight a a really bad decision that gets remembered as a really bad decision but the longer it goes more people just look at the outcome than the fight as a whole because people don't really look at things and it hurt Whitaker's legacy because he lacks that big massive huge win that a fighter of his caliber and credibility should have on his resume so it Whitaker's legacy remains undefined to the potential it should have been mostly because he didn't get a fair score on this well I think that brings an end to this particular episode of the after show for legendary nights of course as I said earlier if you have enjoyed the thoughts and feelings and opinions of myself and Luca, please do let us know at BTR Boxing Pod or Legend Night Pod or BTR Boxing Podcast Network all over social media. I'm always enjoying hearing people's comments and what they feel about the fights and when they look back on it and what they think about it all these years later. So please, if you do have any thoughts and feelings on 
this fight and also the tale that we've created for Legendary Knights Season 4. If you've enjoyed us telling the story of how it all came about and the intertwining roads that led to that collision course in 1993, we're always, always welcoming feedback and we absolutely appreciate all the support and love that people do give to us. So before we go, Luke, I want you to just let everybody know again once more where can they find you and your musings in the boxing world? I think as of right now, because I'm so tired, let's just keep it simple. Go to X. That's the social media app that used to be called Twitter, Luki Boxing. Go to Substack, LukeyBoxing.substack.com. Maybe they've changed the way that is. And on YouTube, Luki Boxing. And if you listen to podcasts like you do right now, you can download the podcast, which is Lukey Boxing. So Lukey Boxing, Lukey Boxing, Lukey Boxing, Lukey Boxing. You type that in, something comes up, and it'll be me. Lukey, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you again to everybody for listening to Legendary Nights, the tale of Whitaker versus Chavez, and this after show as well about the musings of judging in this sport and the conspiracies and the corruption and everything that we always enjoy ranting about on this network and also of course on your own network as well lukey so thank you as always to everybody for listening to this episode of the after show on the legendary nights podcast on the btr boxing podcast network oh wonderful shot by lennox lewis a right hand by holyfield by But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Crunch! Punches! And punches! And it's over! I think it's gonna be over. I have to say there seems an element of genuine hate between these two Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it, Greg. You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Weak steps in. And the fight is over. Podcast Network.